You're listening to the Rua Space Podcast. Hello, friends, and welcome to the Rua Space Podcast, where we help you make space for the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit in your everyday life. I'm Phil, and I am so glad that you've joined me for this conversation with Christine Sign. Christine is the author of the book, The Gift of Wonder, and the founder of the website, God Space Light. And friends, I know that I often say how much I loved the books that I've read and how much I really enjoyed the conversations for the podcast, and it's 100% true, but this one moved straight to the top. This book, The Gift of Wonder, was an absolute blessing to me. It has helped transform the way that I experience God, the way that I am entering into spiritual disciplines and making space. It is a beautiful invitation. And that's what this conversation is about. That's what the book is about. It is an invitation to play, an invitation to become like a child again, an invitation to tap into the creativity that God has blessed us with and therefore make space for God in all of life. So while we're talking about spiritual disciplines here and spiritual formation, it's not necessarily in the straightforward ways you might think of in terms of prayer and meditation and those types of things. Those are aspects of it. But this is really opening the world to engage God in all things, to find joy in everything we do, which I think is just one of the most important things that we could possibly talk about. Christine brings a wisdom to this subject that I really appreciate and has just expanded my spiritual disciplines practice. I especially like that we talk about Lexio Divina because Lexio Divina is something that is very close to our heart at Rua Space, but Christine helps expand it to include reading and listening to images that we see, the creation around us, our own story. And so friends, my prayer with you in this conversation, and hopefully in the book when you go buy it at the link below and read it, is that it will be a space creator for you to tap into the creative energies that God has given you, to discover that there's even more ways to make space for the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit in our lives than you ever could have imagined. She gives some really fun practices, some really innovative ways that I know will bless you, that I know will encourage you, and that I know will help you tap into that childlike faith that Jesus invites us to. So friends, thank you so much for being here today. I pray this conversation with Christine Sign is a blessing and above all, an invitation. Christine, welcome to the Rua Space Podcast. It's such an honor to have you. I had been looking forward to reading your book, The Gift of Wonder, for a really long time. And now I got to, and I'm so grateful that I did. Uh, I'm I'm pleased. Um, It's a privilege to be on your podcast. And uh, I'm delighted, of course, that you've enjoyed the book as well. And people are getting to hear a really wonderful accent as a part of this. So that just adds to the whole experience. (laughs) Yes, I come from Australia originally, though it's, oh, I hate to think how many years it is since I actually lived in Australia. But because I go back regularly or, um, you, you know, I, in fact, my husband, Tom, says that I'm not allowed to lose my accent. So I tell him that the only way to assure that is for me to go back on a regular basis. Ah, That works out perfect. (laughs) Oh, it is. It's wonderful. Yes. You know, if you guys ever need someone to help, you know, carry your bags (laughs) and things, you know, I would be happy to uh, help you guys out on one of those trips. Um, So in this book, The Gift of Wonder, there, you know, first of all, 
you guys have to go read this book because we cannot even begin to touch on all the depth. But one thread that stood out to me that just is this a beautiful invitation is reclaiming our childlikeness, our childlike faith. So let's just start by talking about the importance of being like a child before our loving God. Well, um, you know, of course, the, the scripture I used is unless you become like a child, Matthew 18, verse 3, unless you become a, like a child, you cannot enter the kingdom. And I tell people, I wish that I had discovered the Passion Translation before I wrote this, because in the Passion Translation, that says, unless you come with the wide-eyed wonder of a child, uh. you cannot enter the kingdom, I, which is fascinating because it's not saying that you've got to have the trust of a child. It's not saying the dependency, which is usually what people kind of assume that it is, but it's the wide-eyed wonder. It's, it's you know, because as, as kids, we had a sense of awe. We had a sense of wonder. Uh, we had a sense of everything was fresh. Nothing, everything was new. Every day, everything was new. And I think that that is part of what uh, we need to come at the world with. And that's what I talk a lot about in the book. Um, I actually uh, posted the, uh, qu my question on Facebook, you know, what do you think of the childlike characteristics that make us fit for the kingdom? And it was interesting to see people's responses. You know, some of them did respond with things like dependency and trust. And of course, those are very important. But then others responded with playfulness and imagination and curiosity. And I think those are the ones and awe and wonder. And I think since I wrote the book last year, um, I've, I, I really have entered more and more into the gift of wonder, as I call it. Um, in fact, I recently have been doing some podcasts on uh, wonder in the trauma healing process mm -hmm. and looking at how awe and wonder can help us in, um, in, in finding healing. And in fact, yesterday I read an article in the New York Times that talked about this and how we find healing through awe and wonder. And so it's like, wow, I think my book is a perfect book for this time because these are the kind of characteristics that we need. Uh, we don't need more theology. You know, we don't need more um, kind of serious stuff in a lot of ways. We need more playful stuff. We need more joy-filled stuff. We need more imaginative and creative kind of things. And, and of course, that's what I talk about in The Gift of Wonder. And that's, that's certainly what's become the center of my life. And um, writing the book actually transformed me. <laughs> and I suppose that's why I'm hoping it will transform others as well. That was definitely my experience with it. And, you know, central to this seems to be this idea of play. You know, when I started really digging into Judaism and how rabbis understand the Bible, there's such a playfulness to how they read scripture. And so it sort of opened me to say, hey, let's play with scripture a little more. But I'm sad now that I, I feel like I missed some years of saying, wait a minute, don't just play with scripture, play with life. Like there's yes. this invitation just to enjoy again, because 
I think of something like Christmas, right? And as a child, I remember going to my grandmother's house and this huge Christmas tree that felt like it was as big as the house, you know? And as an adult, I saw the same tree and I'm like, wait a minute, where did that big tree go that we had as a kid? <laughs> and they're like, that's it. No, 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 that, that's not it. I, I lost some of that awe. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah. Well, and, that, and that's what's happened to all of us, I think. And I think part of it, it's not just because we get bigger, uh, but it's because life becomes more serious. Uh, and it's, and, but also because life becomes more hurried. Yeah. Uh, and I think that that's a lot of the dimension because when we hurry through life, we don't notice the awe and wonder around us. Um, one of the practices that have been really central to sustaining um, my husband and I through this time of COVID has been what we call our awe and wonder walks. Um, Every morning we go on a two mile walk with our puppy dog, Goldie. (laughs) We walk around the neighborhood and I have very intentionally focused on uh, the awe and wonder of things that I see. You know, usually of course it's something to do with nature. Sometimes it's looking at houses and things like that, uh, or looking at what kids have been drawing uh, on the pavements, you know, often to kind of try and encourage their neighbors. And these things are awe inspiring. Uh, you know, I, I, and, and I, but I find that I have to very intentionally look at these things, or they don't really kind of um, inspire me or they don't give me the sense of awe that Mm. just going for a walk can do. It was interesting. I recently talked to a woman uh, after a a workshop that I'd done. And she was saying that, you know, uh, her doctor had told her that she needed to walk two or three miles, uh, three or four times a week for her health. And she said she hated it, she said. But she said, after she read my book, she said it totally changed her perspective on that walk so that she, it, it became a different kind of an experience once she'd started to look at things with awe and wonder um, and really discovered the gift of wonder. She had a totally different approach to life and to that walk that had been such a chore beforehand. Um, and, and I think that's what we need to do is to, to find that playfulness of perspective on the things that we do as well as, as get out and play. Um, I know uh, just after I'd finished the book, uh, The Gift of Wonder, we had the biggest snow in Seattle that we had had for years and years and years. And because of having written the book and talking about play uh, and, and how wonderful it is, I, went out with the two young people who live in an apartment in our basement and we went sledding. Um, (laughs) And it was the first time I'd ever been sledding in my life. You know, here I am, I'm 69 and I'd never been sledding before. (laughs) And, um, but it was a wonderful experience and a fun filled experience. And um, actually we, we actually, uh, harnessed our dog to the sled <laughs> and oh we have a golden retriever she absolutely loved it and we, we all had a ball it, it was just a fantastic kind of experience but I wouldn't have given myself permission to do mm. that if I hadn't written the gift of wonder 
and spend all that time talking about play and how, you know, I think um, Stuart Brown, the um, head of the National Institute for Play, says that he believes that play is one of God's greatest gift to humankind. Um, and, and so, you know, I thought, yeah, if this is one of God's greatest gifts, <laughs> then we need to be out playing. And it was certainly awe-inspiring as well. Yeah, no doubt. You know, I, this may be a different snowstorm than when you're talking about, but many years ago, I lived in Queen Anne and uh -huh. we came, we opened our window one day and looked out and people were skiing and snowboarding down our street because it's uh -huh. such a huge incline. And there was something invitational about saying, we need to just enter into this present moment and enjoy it fully. In your book, you mentioned awe deprivation. And uh -huh. one of the things that, you know, I love when people give me a new way to understand a Bible verse. And one of them was, you pointed out that in Matthew chapter 21, that when the children, along with the blind and lame, come to Jesus in the temple after he clears it out, it says that the children were singing Hosanna to the son of David, and all the religious leaders were upset. But the yes. kids were excited that something new was happening. They they were celebrating, they were dancing, they sort of just entered into the moment. But it takes eyes to see that and that awe deprivation can sort of put a film over them. So I know writing the book helped you, but obviously writing the book was a process of maybe your eyes opening again. How do we reopen our eyes to see, whoa, there's a beautiful snow, I should just go skiing, I should just go throw snowballs, or I should go be goofy and silly and 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 I'm invited to do that. How do we become okay with that again? Well, I think it starts with um, slowing down and giving ourselves permission. Um, because, I mean, it's interesting to me, you know, looking at snow days, for example, you know, when there's a snow day here in Seattle, people don't go to work. <laughs> um, and it's kind of like they've suddenly been given permission to play. Mm. Um, and I think that we shouldn't have to wait for something like a snow day to give us permission to play. You know, we should give ourselves permission to play. Um, you know, if, and particularly recognizing the importance of this kind of activity, I think we're more willing to do it. But even so, you know, I mean, I, mean, um, I, I remember several months ago posting on um, my site, have you had your aura, it was pre-COVID, have you had your awe and wonder walk today? <laughs> and I had several people comment, oh, no, I've been too busy. Mm. You know, and, and it's tragic when we are too busy uh, to take notice of God's world. You know, the world in which God so vibrantly shines, uh, the world in which God's awesome and wonderful presence is so incredibly uh, manifested. So, so really... You know, by not giving ourselves permission to, um, to play and to slow down and to notice these things with awe and wonder, we are really narrowing our view of God. You know, we, we, we are really um, stifling what God is able to do within us and what God is able to do through us, I think. Yeah. You know, one of the consistent uh, questions you come back to 
throughout the book has to do with delighting in God and God delighting in our joy, right? So yes. sort of a finding joy in God and find, God finding joy in us living fully into this life we've been given. So at Rua Space, you know, we talk a lot about making space for the spirit, right? For the, for the Ruach, for the breath, uh -huh. for the spirit. Yes. And we talk a lot about Lectio Divina and meditation and prayer and even yoga from a Christian perspective. But what you're talking about with play, that is a spiritual practice. Like what you're talking about uh, is a spiritual discipline. So how would you maybe define a spiritual practice? And uh, let's talk about some of maybe the outside the box ones people may not think of. Because in one place, for example, <laughs> you mentioned eating pancakes with maple syrup as a spiritual practice, which I love it, by the way. And now it's an excuse for me to make pancakes and eat maple syrup. <laughs> Yes, I mean, to me, uh, a spiritual practice is anything that makes us feel close to God. Um, and I think that we do need to connect to God in the ordinary. Um, and the one about the pancakes and maple syrup is saying, of course, that, you know, maple syrup is harvested in the winter. And so I'm suggesting it as, and see, you might only want to restrict it in this way as a practice for the winter time, mm. uh, you know, as something, because this is a time when the, and, and the reason it's harvested in the winter is because in the winter time, the sap kind of retracts and gets sweeter uh, because it's kind of uh, part of its response to being able to protect itself from the cold is this retraction and sweetening. It's like a natural antifreeze. Um, and, and so, you know, thinking of this and playfully using it, I think is something that's it's good to, to know, uh, you know, to think about. But, but I think, you know, we can make anything into a, a, a spiritual practice uh, if we allow the, the glory of God to shine through it. Um, you know, some of my favorite uh, ones that I've done over the last couple of years is one of them walking barefoot on the beach. Uh, and, and just, and the interesting thing is when I started thinking about walking barefoot as a spiritual practice, you know, the tactileness of, of connecting to the sand and connecting to God who is present in all things. Uh, I started to do some research on that and discovered that uh, there is research that suggests that walking barefoot is good for our health. Yeah. Grounding, um, right? Yeah. Yeah, grounding, and it actually helps our balance. And, you know, I mean, there are different ways in which it helps us. And, and so often these, you know, seemingly, and, and the interesting thing was the last time I went to Australia because of, you know, uh, entering into the playfulness uh, of, of, of a practice like this, and my, my brother that we were staying with took us on a trip around Sydney. And one of the places we went to was the beach uh, where we'd gone as kids and where I'd learned to swim. And I said to him, I'm going to walk barefoot. Uh, you know, I'm going to walk into the water. And he kind of looks at me. My brother's pretty staid, you know. Uh, <laughs> and, and, but as I took off my shoes and started to get ready um, to walk down the beach, uh, he said, I'm going to come with you. And so we walked together uh, down the beach and, and put our feet in the water and, you know, kind of kicked up the sand a bit and, and just had a little bit of fun. Uh, and it was just a very memorable experience 
that came a playful experience that came out of uh, giving myself permission to see something like this as a spiritual practice. And that was a very spiritual experience. Uh, certainly for me, I don't know if it was for my brother, he's, he's not a Christian, but I, I suspect it has a spiritual dimension to it for, for him as well. And it was just very beautiful to do something like that. Yeah, probably was connecting somewhere because he's connecting into the humanity, uh, the image of God somewhere in there. You know, I absolutely love that because it is an invitation to this full life experience of God that our connection points to God aren't just in the serious, you know, uh, 30 minutes of silence or uh, meditation or prayer or whatever, which are still important, but it's an invitation. It, you know, one of the things you say at one point is it's about patterns of purpose rather than form. So spiritual disciplines being about the purpose of the activity rather than the form the yes. activity takes, which means we can do this anywhere, anytime. What a great yes. invitation. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah, I think so. And I, I think um, we can not only do it anywhere, but we can do it any way as well, you know, and, and I do think, um, I know that, that branching outside the box in terms of what I see as prayer and what I see as spiritual practice has, has strengthened my faith in amazing ways. It really has. Um, it, you know, it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's been very empowering for me. Um, and I think particularly during the last six months, you know, uh, as we've been restricted home to, to have some practices that can really ground me in my faith um, has, has been really, really empowering for me. Um, one of the things I know I talk about in the gift of wonder is creating contemplative gardens. Mm -hmm. um, and over the, about three months ago, you know, all of us, of course, over the summer, we're grieving the things that we weren't able to do this year. And one of the things that my husband and I were grieving was a trip that we do every year up to Canada to go out to the Canadian Gulf Islands with some very good friend of ours. And one of the things that we love to do together is to go beachcombing. Um, mm. And so I have this huge collection of things that we've collected on the beach over many years uh, very special things with lots of wonderful memories. And so a couple of months ago, I decided that my summer garden would be uh, a beach combing, combing garden. Love and <laughs> so, you know, I got some um, pieces of uh, driftwood and some uh, sea glass and some rocks that I'd picked up and some uh, bones. In fact, it's right here on my desk. Uh, just, I know you're the only one that will be able to see this, <laughs> but here's one of the bones oh, that yeah. I picked up and just amazing pieces. And as I put this together, it was this wonderful experience, firstly, of, of reminding myself of the wonderful experiences that we'd had over the year, because I, I think I talk about the importance of memory and this was, was really important uh, from that perspective, the importance of the memories and the specialness of that. But also it was very important just from the creativity side of things. And as, as I created it, both being able to grieve what wasn't going to happen 
but also be able to enter into the joy and the fun of something that I was able to do that really connected me to those past experiences as well. And so these kinds of things, you, you know, I mean, 10 years ago, it would never have occurred to me to do something like this as a spiritual practice. But boy, um, this started as a, a practice of, of making an advent garden that sat on my desk every year. And then it became, because it was such a fun practice, it became, oh, let me do a Lenten garden. And then, you know, as different things in the world started to happen, it's like, oh, let me make one for hospitality and let me make one for this and let me make one for that, a gratitude garden at Thanksgiving time. And now this garden, which has just been so special in so many ways. And, and as I said, fun to produce. And I'm just thinking about what's the next one to come? <laughs> what yeah. do I want to do next? <laughs> it, it seems like what, what you are tapping into is what brings you joy. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So yeah. That, that, that seems like a question then that this one thing you do throughout your book that I really found helpful is rather than telling people, oh, specifically you know, it must be done in this way. You ask questions that guide people into having the eyes to see, having uh -huh. the, the way to notice. And one of them is what brings you joy? And uh, so yes. it, that seems just like a foundational question that everyone can ask that it might look different for them, but to re-tap into what brings you alive, because that probably is connected to how God made you to be. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, Gardening may not be your thing at all. You know, maybe writing music and having some fun writing music or uh, doing some art or, you know, I mean, the sky's the limit. I, it fascinates me to see the things that people find joy in. You know, people that find joy washing the dishes. Uh, people that find joy, well, as I said, writing music or writing poetry. Uh, people that find joy in... Uh, you know, doing hospitality. That's something else that we love to do. But yes, I think that, um, you know, God made us uh, to see these as spiritual things, I think. And so, uh, you know, kind of pushing them to the margins, as it were, of our spiritual life. I think we lose a lot as a result of that. Yeah. You know, as you're saying the different things and practices that you've done, what also jumps out to me is the intentionality behind them and the being fully present to them component. You know, you, at one point in the book, you talked about children being fully present to what they're doing. And when we asked them later what they did, they, oh, I don't remember or nothing, you know, which, which I just thought was my little boys because they're boys, but apparently this is all children, but they're, they're now just fully present in the next thing. And we seem to live in a world of distractions. And I wonder if that's part of are missing out on the being able to connect with God in all places that we don't really fully engage any one thing at one time anymore. It seems like we so easily are pulled away in a million directions, but oh, yeah. it seems like you key in and say, I'm going to just be here right now. Yes. Yeah. And I mean, obviously I don't always accomplish that, sure. but you know, I try, I do try because I do think, you know, I mean, God is present in every moment. Um, in this every and every moment is unique uh, and if we don't enter into that moment we miss the uniqueness of it you know it's a um, one person I read said you know this unique never to be repeated moment mm -hmm. 
And that means, you know, if, if we don't take notice of it, we'll never see it again. And, you know, so I think we miss a lot of specialness of time and a lot of specialness of place because we don't enter into the moment. You know, we're thinking ahead. Um, we're, we're kind of uh, focused on the destination rather than the journey. Uh, and I think that what is important is the journey uh, and the moments of that journey. And, and because we, we kind of, we, we're thinking about where are we going? What are we going to do, you know? Um, or what are we going to do when we get there? We, we miss everything that, that contributes to the journey that gets us there. Mm. Uh, so we can do this then with cooking. We can do this with playing a game, with uh, looking at a tree. You know, there's this, the, I think there's an imaginative component to some of uh, what you talk about because not in a negative way, but in, in a good way. Um, you know, you talk about the Celtic Christians believing imagination was uh, this arena where we connect to God, which I have to say, I really appreciate how much you mentioned Celtic Christianity, because uh, I come from an Irish background, which just reaffirms that uh, I'm on the right path here, right? But, <laughs> but, uh, but being able to pick up a leaf and um, see this deeper reality to the leaf of mm -hmm lessons about connectedness or lessons about the changing seasons or seeing in maple syrup the lessons of winter how uh, that seems to me something I've, I've tried to start doing and sometimes i have success with it sometimes i really struggle um are there any helpful ways you've discovered where you where you notice something and a deeper connection flows from it because jesus seems to do this right look at the birds of the air look at the trees look at you know look at the lilies of the field so he seems to look around and draw mm -hmm deeper connections almost at will. How do, how do we get to that point? Because I think that's a beautiful practice if everyone could harness in some sense. Well, and I think for me that Lectio Divina was a starting place, you know, that started to open my eyes. Uh, and I think it is a wonderful noticing practice because mm. that's part of what it is, is we need to learn to notice in a, the, in a way that we haven't. Um, and after, you know, and of course, Lectio Divina is about, you know, reading a scripture, having a word jump out at you kind of thing, uh, focusing in on that scripture, noticing what it teaches you about God, really, mm -hmm. uh, and then uh, responding to that. Well, since I uh, first learned about Lectio Divina, I've since that learned about other practices that people have adapted from that. Firstly, uh, Lecti, um, visio divina, mm -hmm. which is basically, you know, applying the same kind of a process to, uh, to artwork. But I, I found one of the places that I love to apply visio divina is to things like street murals mm -hmm. uh, and even graffiti, you know, kind of recognizing. I've, I've gone, walked down streets and taken photos of the street signs, you know, or the things that people have written on the sides of buildings and gone home and, and spent some time looking at that because it so often um, reveals things about how people feel about their neighborhood, you know. And then the more, more recent one that I've discovered is Lectio Tierra, mm -hmm. which is basically taking that same kind of a process out into nature. Um, and, you know, I, I like to suggest to people that they don't just kind of uh, walk past and notice, but if they can, you know, pick up a leaf, uh, pick up a pine cone, pick up something that you ha has struck you 
while you've been walking, take it home and spend some more time reflecting on it and go deeper, not only into the object, but I think as we go deeper into that object, we go deeper into the revelation of God that we can receive through that object as well. And um, more recently, and I'm, I'm trying to think of what they called it, I was told about another process, Vita Divina. Um, and Vita Divina is basically the same kind of process applied to life. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you know, that, that, that we can um, learn from life, learn from anything in life in this same kind of noticing way. Uh, but but noticing is at the center. You're speaking this. my language here. You know, we, we did Lectio Divina live for a long time. And uh, other episodes on the podcast, you can find dozens of guided Lectio Divina practices. And I, I have seen that. Asking that basic question of what stands out to you? Why? What does it make you feel? What truth might this be revealing? Just such helpful questions that can be applied to anything you see, anything you're experiencing, to your own past, to your own present. That's a really beautiful practice. Mm-hmm. Well, and but, but the thing is, too, that we need to take the time uh, to notice. You know, I mm-hmm. mean, uh, it, it has to be intentional. I think intentionality and noticing um, and, and many people would say silence is the other thing, the other dimension to this, you know, which in a way sounds strange uh, when we're talking about children and, and wonder because, you know, the last thing that you get from kids is silence. Um, but, you know, for us adults who have disconnected from that childlikeness, uh, silence is an important component, I think, of this as well in terms of the noticing. No doubt. So one of the ways that you talk about in the gift of wonder to sort of respond is through creative expression, whether it's coloring or doodling or making art or making, you know, whatever it might be. And one of the things I wanted to ask you about, because I've, I've rediscovered the the helpful uh, blessing of coloring and doing those things again lately. But, uh, you know, for many years, it was a, no, you know, I'm a guy. I don't doodle. I don't, I don't color. I, I don't do art. Right. And, and I just, and, and I know that's not true. I, you know, there's a stereotype I'm in my own experience, but um, even in other places I've been, it seems to me that females are much more open to the, yes, I'm going to doodle or draw or in some creative way, respond to this but not all guys seem open to the idea of doodling or coloring or drawing. Some definitely are. And that's, that's wonderful. And I'm overcoming that barrier myself. What might you say to someone who may be listening and say, Oh man, yeah. Doodling, coloring, painting, that's out painting a rock. You'll never, I'll have my kids paint rocks, but I won't paint rocks. How could you encourage and challenge them perhaps? Or what might you say? Yeah, it's, it's true. You're right. I think, um, uh, that, that, women are more open to this. And I think one of the reasons they're more open to this is that creative kind of um, exercises, as it were, or uh, have been more acceptable for women. I mean, women Mm. knit, you know, women kind of do all, cook, women do all of these things. And yet when it comes down to what do men do, you know, there are so few. In fact, I remember asking, you know, because I like to knit when I, um, when I, if I'm at a lecture, you know, I, I, I want to knit. 
That's my and wife I, too. <laughs> yeah. I, and, and I said to somebody recently, I said, you know, guy, I said, what do guys want to do? And it was kind of like, he couldn't think of anything, mm-hmm. you know? And part of it, I think, is that guys haven't been given permission mm. to be creative in these ways. Um, and so they get embarrassed, um, you know, at doing something like this. And now every, I still remember probably 10 years ago now sitting in an airport and this huge guy with a great big um, Stetson hat on and cowboy boots and everything came in, sat down and pulled out his needlework. Nice. (laughs) It was, and I thought, wow, you know, that was wonderful Mm -hmm. that he had the confidence to be able to do something like that. But how many guys would? Yeah. You know, unfortunately, um, I, I think um, carpentry, but of course you can't take carpentry with you, <laughs> you know? <laughs> uh, so it's, it's, it is definitely a challenge. And, and I would say the first step is to give yourself permission mm. uh, to do these things. Again, you know, I think there is a, a sense of giving ourselves permission and then think about, you know, what creative things give you joy? Uh, and often, you know, the place to start is with things like writing or, um, you, you know, kind of doodling. I think doodling is something that a lot of people do uh, without even recognizing that they're doing it. Yeah. And so doodling can be a good place to start. Um, and, and doing these kinds of things that are acceptable, you know, probably, uh, in fact, I, I mean, I would say more than anything in a sitting in a conference or something I've seen guys doodle that that would be about the only thing I've seen them do you know (laughs) and they've probably experienced this and I've begun to experience this as I've added color and I I have to say if you're not an artist and you're like well it's going to look bad every single one I do looks bad it's not it's you know it's not (laughs) that but what what I've discovered is in the process of coloring on a labyrinth or um, working on a, I had to do a thing the other day in a group where I had to draw a tree, right? And my tree was not as beautiful as other trees. But what I realized is just the process of doing it got out of my mind a little bit and almost allowed God to speak through the hand, through what I was seeing, through what I was experiencing in a way where if I just thought about it, it wouldn't have happened. But by engaging the practice at my ability it's like things started to just come out. And so mm-hmm. I think people have seen that maybe in their doodling too, that it, it can just help you think. It can help you be open to the Holy Spirit in the moment. Oh, exactly. And um, evidently, particularly if you do it with your non-dominant hand, mm. uh, and you know, I, I think that it, it, it stirs a part of the brain that normal cognitive uh, associations don't stir. Yeah. Uh, in particular, walking the labyrinth with, you know, a finger labyrinth with your non-dominant hand. Actually, yes. they say is a wonderful problem solving. To, well, they don't just say it. I mean, I've used it and it really works. If you ask a question, walk the labyrinth, uh, get to the center, ask the question again and work out, you'll, uh, you know, quite frequently end up with the solution, you know, mm. uh, when you do it with your non-dominant hand. And so these kinds of things, and, but any kind of creative uh, expression, I think, stirs parts of the brain that, uh, you know, are otherwise just kind of atrophying. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. So th- this is an invitation to be messy, to play, to create, to just experience different ways of 
sharing in the image of God, creativity, imagination that we were given. So as we come to the end of our time, what would be a final word that you would leave with people? And a challenge, an encouragement, an invitation, whatever it might be. Well, I, I would say, going back to that scripture from Matthew 18, verse 3, give yourself permission to look at the world with the wide-eyed wonder of a child. Uh, just, yeah, that. And, and, you know, give yourself permission to be creative because I do think that we need to give ourselves permission to do that. You know, we serve a creative God, uh, God the creator. Um, and God just didn't finish creation uh, and that was it. God is still creating. You look at the things that are continually emerging that are creative. And I think if we're co-creators with God, then God calls us to be creators. Amen to that. Christine, where can people go deeper in your work? Where can they connect with you? Where would you like to send people? Uh, well, the blog, godspacelight.com. Uh, I'm often posting uh, creative suggestions and not just me. I actually have between 30 and 40 different people that contribute to the blog and many of them very, very creative. Um, and so that's a place to go to look for creative uh, ideas. Uh, I'm on um, Facebook. I'm on Twitter. I'm on Instagram. I don't use Twitter very much though. Um, and I often post some of the creative things that I've seen that are stirring my imagination uh, on Facebook. And what I love is when people respond um, and that stirs my imagination further, uh, you know, not expecting that I've got it all up here, but that, that others can really help me develop ideas and, and thoughts too. Absolutely. Well, Christine, thank you so much for taking the time to come share in the gift, with the gift of wonder. Thank you so much for bringing your insight and wisdom and invitation. Uh, I deeply appreciate it. And I believe this will be a blessing to those who listen. Well, thank you. It's been a pleasure to be a part of this. Hey friends, Phil here again. Before you go, I just want to say thank you again for joining us for this episode. I pray that you experience that invitation to a creative, playful, childlike, open experience of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit that you will take to heart that blessing of being fully present and tapping into the creative energies that God has given us, that your spiritual disciplines will be expanded into all of life. If you enjoyed this conversation, I do highly recommend going and buying The Gift of Wonder at the link below. Check out Christine's website, Godspace Light. And also to go through the archives here at Rua Space, we do interviews like this all the time with people that are wonderful, that are wise, intelligent, and offer amazing invitations of so many ways to create space for God in our lives. And finally, friends, if this has been a blessing to you, we recently opened up our Patreon page, and I would like to invite you to support this ministry. For $5 a month, you help us continue to offer amazing content to people around the world, as well as get exclusive access to more podcast episodes, blog posts, live events, and more. You can also find that at the link below. So friends, until next time, go forth, create, enjoy, and make space for God. Grace and peace be with you. 